Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of On Set with Errol Koenig. I'm Errol Koenig. This week, we have an awesome guest, video producer, lifestyle host, social media influencer, and stop-motion animator, Lucy Fink. She creates content on Refinery29, such as Try Living with Lucy, Lucy for Hire, and What Do You Think? You can also see her stop-motion animations in ads for companies such as Oreo, Avon, The Today Show, and SoCycle. In this episode, we talk about how she got her start making videos and the process of producing and starring in her own content. So here's my interview with Lucy Fink. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, so I guess to start off, tell me a little bit about what you do. I know you do a lot, so. <laughs> yeah, so I'm primarily a video producer and a lifestyle host at Refinery29. I like to kind of refer to myself as just a general content creator mm -hmm. because I like to create so many different forms of content and working with so many different mediums. Yeah. But in general, the main thing that I produce is digital video content for Refinery's YouTube channel. And that content ends up living on Refinery's Facebook page and Snapchat Discover and mm -hmm. website, Twitter. It kind of just goes all around the ether. And yeah. then I also create stop motion videos on my Instagram and lots of other fun tidbits on my YouTube channel and stuff like that. Okay, cool. So I guess starting off with Refinery29, which is, uh, I, I guess, your, your main job. Uh, so yes. what exactly do you do there when you're producing a video? I, I know you have a couple different, uh, I guess, a couple different shows, if you will. You have the Try Living yes. with Lucy, Lucy for Hire, and uh, What Do You Think? What kind of, I guess, is your process when making one of those videos, or where do these ideas come from? So the actual general ideas for the series, both of those series, the Try Living with Lucy and Lucy for Hire, which are the two that I'm focused on now, yeah. those ideas were sort of developed over time in college. Actually, I would, okay. I would just, anytime I had a show idea, I would just jot it down in a notebook. And when I had the chance to interview at Refinery, they asked me if I had any video series ideas that I would want to produce. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of whipped out my notebook from college and, you know, read off a few of my ideas. Yeah. And these these were some of them that stuck that they thought would be good. And generally, the process for making a Try Living with Lucy video mm -hmm. goes something like come up with the idea, which could be a mixture of originating from my own brain or a lot of times I like to go with ideas that the audience suggests on YouTube. Yeah. Sometimes I don't think they're the best idea, but if I actually put my producer cap on and do a little bit of research and flesh it out, I can usually make it fit, um, you know, make it have enough substance to be a video. Yeah, definitely. And so I come up with these concepts and I like to do a ton of research first just so that I'm very educated with the topic. I don't ever want to, talk about something without really knowing what I'm talking about. And if I am, I always call out, you know, I don't know a lot about this subject just so that mm -hmm. the audience knows I'm not an expert. And then um, once it's ready to be shot, so once all of my pre-production is done, then there comes all the production work and all the legwork in terms of actually orchestrating the shoots and getting everything together. And this, this mm -hmm. step is when, it takes a lot of 
time and resources. So mm-hmm. typically for a for a video, um, if it's a try living, obviously I'm shooting five days, but if it's just thinking about any video, I always have to reserve our in-house camera operator. I have to reserve our production equipment. So part of being a producer, even if you don't actually operate the cameras, you need to know yeah. all the lingo and the proper parts and pieces that you're going to need based on what environment you're shooting in and you know, what you're shooting, mm-hmm. you decide if you want to use the C300 or we could just use a 5G. Do we yeah. need any sort of lighting kit? Do we need two logs or do we need a boom? All that kind of stuff. And it's your responsibility to reserve the equipment. So Refinery has a studio with all this equipment that all of our producers are constantly reserving equipment. So if you don't reserve it like a week in advance, it probably won't be available for your shoot. Mm-hmm. Then... Once everything is all reserved and you have your location secured, you actually go into the field and shoot it live, you know, a live production. And that's when you have to make sure to do all of the field work, like getting release forms from anyone who's on camera or getting a location agreement signed. Or if you're showing any sort of artwork, you need to get a material yeah. release signed. And that's when all of the actual shoot happens. And then as soon as it's done, it goes into post-production and we have a whole edit team at Refinery. So I usually like to edit a lot of my videos myself, at least the first pass of them, mm-hmm. just because I feel like it's different from producing a video about someone else. When it's you in the video it's and you're the producer, you're sort yeah. of, you know, crafting your own image. And I really always liked having control over that and also – I love editing, so yeah. I usually sit down and I edit the bare bones of the video, and then I pass it along to a really professional editor who polishes it up and adds music and color correct, and then the video goes live, and that's the whole life cycle. Yeah, and I, I could really tell. I mean, I watched a bunch of your videos, um, and I could definitely tell you have like a certain style to all of them. Yeah, uh, that definitely, definitely carries through. Um, Thank so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but so when you're working on one of these videos, let's take uh, your bullet journal one, which is your most recent, Try Living. Yeah. Um, so do you have a script when you're, I guess, talking about this process or are you winging it or how, how do you go about, I guess, describing what you're doing? You mean when I'm doing the webcam? Yeah, when you're doing like the webcam type thing. Are you winging yeah. it? Or? So I typically have a loose script and what I mean by script is like bullet points of what I want to make sure I say okay and that was sort of something that I learned from early on when I was just kind of talking out of nowhere and you know telling the camera what was happening on Monday and then saying what was happening on Tuesday by the time I got to Friday I realized that it was sort of just a whole lot of spewing out what was happening without actually crafting a story from beginning middle and end Mm-hmm. And just kind of like reality TV, I mean, even though reality TV is all fake and I'm, I actually do all the experiments, there are mm-hmm. some aspects of the video that are sort of put together using some form of like movie magic at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. One example being the fact that I pretty much know before I record the webcams what my story is going to be and, you know, Without if even if I don't know the takeaway, I have to know that I'm going to have a takeaway, and I have to make sure to carry that through the piece. And then another piece that sometimes 
is movie magic is that occasionally the five days that you see in the video isn't actually mm-hmm. shot in that order or um, is potentially like shot across multiple more than five days. And that's mm-hmm. because just given the resources that we have at yeah. work, we don't actually have the ability to have a camera operator dedicated to me every single day, every week. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll shoot a, an episode across two weeks and I'll use a person, you know, Monday, Tuesday of one week and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of the next week um, just because of availabilities. And then when the video comes together, it looks like it was all one week. Okay, cool. Um, so I also want to talk a little bit about your uh, work as a uh, stop motion animator uh, for a mm-hmm. lot of big brands. So you've done like a some pretty big pretty big, I guess, projects. You work with Oreo, uh, Avon, some stuff with the Today Show, SoulCycle. Um, yeah. Yeah, so can you talk about, I guess, where that came from? Yeah, so very early on, my first job out of school, I was at an ad agency, mm-hmm. and it was a very creative agency where they were very encouraging of, like, p- picking up a camera and playing around and having fun, and... I was playing with a camera one day and taking a whole bunch of still images of a piece of food that I had. And over time, as I scrolled through the images, I noticed that if I play the images really fast, it looks like the piece of food is moving (laughs) because in every, every shot I was sort of moving it a little bit just to kind of adjust it. And that was how I discovered what stop motion was. And, I sat in that office at work all day and I worked for six hours that day. Mm -hmm. It was a very slow day at work. So I just sat there and worked for six hours on this stop motion video. And I told the the piece of food that I'm referring to, it was a marshmallow that had a face on it. (laughs) And so I told a whole like love story about this marshmallow and how, you know, he's trying to find love. And at the end of the video, there's two marshmallows and they kiss and walk off together. That's great. I like was so excited about the stop motion. I sat there for six hours shooting it and it took another five hours to edit it. And then at the end of it, I had a 28 second video. Yeah. And I I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I shared it on my Instagram and Facebook and I just totally fell in love with that art form. And I ran home from work every day for the next two months and just mm-hmm. like bought random props on my way and would shoot stop motion on my iPhone at home. Just like in my apartment, I would, I didn't even have any equipment. So I'd use a desk lamp as a light and I was taping my iPhone to the table and flipping the table over and just totally being scrappy making these videos and pumping them out on my social media. And it took about three months, but eventually one brand found me and then another brand found me Mm -hmm. and I ended up doing like a whole bunch of branded projects just kind of on the side of my job. And then when I moved to refinery, they wanted to add stop motion as part of my job description there because they wanted me to make it for them. And that sort of turned into me working with a lot of branded clients through refinery as well. 
Okay, so I, I think you touched on it a little bit, um, but uh, how exactly did you get, I guess, your start in the industry? So you, you talked about you started with an internship, but how did you, I guess, go from from Hopkins to, uh, you know, an internship to, yeah. to refinery? So at Hopkins, I was like the video person in the admissions office, mm-hmm. and I was constantly creating YouTube videos for them. Have you ever seen those videos, by the way? Yep. Yep. The yeah, Hopkins Cribs, are, yeah, guess, all of that fun stuff. Yeah, the Cribs and Learn More, See More, Be More. That was really my first foray into video production, and it was for Hopkins. And it was totally an extracurricular. I loved it. I also had the chance as a college student to be on the Today Show a whole bunch of times. So by the time I graduated, I had a nice little video reel of my on-camera appearances. And I really wanted to do something on camera out of school, but the only real option I felt like for at that time, it was 2014. So a job like what I have now didn't really exist then. Yeah. But the only real option was getting an agent and trying to be sent out as a host. But I was very against that because I felt like I wouldn't make any money. I wouldn't be able to support myself right off the bat. And I also knew what types of things they'd be sending me out for. Yeah. And those were not the types of things I wanted to do. Like I I was never interested in red carpet hosting or celebrity gossip interviews. And I was never interested in acting really. I always wanted to just play myself in some sort of lifestyle content. And so there really wasn't anything for me. I decided to go the route of kind of ditching my on-camera dreams and just being a producer. And I I remember Mm -hmm. telling myself, like, I'm consciously making this decision and I might never be on camera again, but I'm deciding that I am going to choose the production route because I feel like it's a more a real skill-based career path and yeah. I feel like I'm actually going to be learning how to do something and I feel like it had a better, brighter future. So I chose the production route and I was an associate producer at that ad agency for about a year, but I like could not lie to myself and I just kept talking about how I wanted to do some on-camera work and I would show everyone my video projects from Hopkins and from the Today Show and just kind of pour it in everyone's faces Mm -hmm. and about after a year of working at Ogilvy I had a meeting at Ogilvy with the chief creative officer of the company and I showed her all of my clips and she was really interested and really intrigued and about two months later she moved to Refinery29 and started there as the COO She's actually not there anymore. She was only at Refinery for a couple months, but in the couple months that she was there, she brought me over and introduced me to the video team, which was really new at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was the situation that I had and the experience I had coming into Refinery and what I've been able to do with it was completely unique and totally a right place, right time situation. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot harder at this stage for people to do what I've done at Refinery just because the team has grown like eight times its size from when I first started. And there was like, we were just in the early stages when I got there. There were maybe like 15 people on video. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
now the video team is like maybe 150 people. So it's totally a lot harder for people to do what I did, but I got in at that right time and I had the right ideas and it just sort of took off from there. So uh, you, you, you mentioned that you went into, I guess, producing because it was, it's tough to it's kind, of, kind of come out, out of nowhere and become, you know, a personality on right. a page that's instantly popular. Do you feel like that experience, you know, helped form, I guess, what you do now, like how, like either your work ethic or how you think about making these videos and if that affects how you, how, how you do things? Yeah, I think definitely. I, I feel like in digital media, it is, there's no such thing as just a talent when it comes to digital media. If mm-hmm. you are on camera, you're also writing your own script, producing it, sometimes shooting it yourself and editing yourself. And that's just the nature of the digital media world. It's not the same as TV um, or any any form of linear content. It's not like you know, you have these huge crews and trucks following you around and someone's going to come do your hair and makeup and you're going to, you know, get, someone's going to put your mic on for you, all that stuff. It is absolutely DIY, you know, run and gun. Any shoot I go on, it's just me and one camera person and one camera. And he runs, he or she, whoever I'm shooting with at the time, but Mm -hmm. I said he because my, my camera person that I mainly work with is, a man named Andrew and normally when we go out he is running sound and video all together whereas whenever you work with television you know you have like three people running cameras and like seven yeah. people running sound and it's just a different environment there's there's not a lot of room for people who just want to be talent and don't have the skills to actually do it themselves it's really the people who are coming up with the ideas and then hopping on camera and getting it done the way they want and then also editing it because they know what the vision is that are really excelling. Okay. So like, do you find that, I guess, more rewarding to be able to, I guess, have a, ha- have a hand in all the different aspects of these, of these videos? Yeah, definitely. I feel like a lot of times it's super nice to have an editor because I'm by no means a professional editor, but Mm -hmm. it definitely saves the company like so many, so many resources to have someone who's also editing her stuff. Like the way that I edit a video, when I hand it off to an editor, I'm probably saving them three days of work of needing to go through and watch seven hours of footage and figure out what story is and piece it together it's like I knew what I was going for I shot it I was there I was the one saying it I'm just gonna edit it for you and then you can touch it up so I definitely feel a lot prouder knowing that I had a hand in in the whole creation process as well okay uh so I guess going back to how you got your start in the industry um, would you recommend a similar path of you know going to a school with like a film program like Hopkins uh, and then internships, and then you use use those resources and find a way to get to where you want to be. Yeah, um, I from all the people I've met in this industry, it's become very clear to me that your major does not really matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I work with so many people who are, you know, art history majors or French literature majors and they're doing the same work as I am 
mm-hmm. or you know someone who studied engineering who's now a camera operator and so it's I don't really feel it's the same as a more traditional media route like something like TV I know in a lot of reality TV shows you you have a lot of these camera operators who came from some sort of art school and they like to work with a lot of their friends but mm-hmm. at refinery and at a lot of these digital companies people come in and then you know at as I said on the panel at Hopkins, like at age 28, they decide that they want to start shooting and they just learn on the job. Yeah. And so it's, I hate when people, um, I don't hate it. I didn't mean hate. I just mean like <laughs> when people ask me what they should major in, I, I almost want to be like major in whatever you want because it has nothing to do unless you're going into finance and you need some sort of economics major or if mm-hmm. you're pre-med, you know, going to med school and you need it to be pre-med, this is not the same field. So totally just do whatever you want. Okay. All right. So I guess uh, as we wrap up, I have two more questions. Um, so what are a couple, I guess, must see, um, I, I guess, I guess vlogs or other, I guess, digital media that you would recommend, um, in addition to your own stuff, um, would you recommend to like a, uh, a a young vlogger or a a film or some 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 student that wants to go into a similar industry? Is you what would you recommend? Um, in terms of vlog content, I would say just going on YouTube. Like that's the spot for all these vloggers, and mm-hmm. you can really just type in. You can either type in vlogger and find people that way, or you can type in any topic, you know, like how to floss your teeth or like, you know, what's in my wallet. And mm-hmm. you'll, you'll see videos pop up and the ones that have a lot of views are probably the accounts that have a lot of subscribers. And those are just some huge YouTubers who are making the content these days that is mm-hmm. like so monetizable because of how many people watch it. Um, but that's not really everyone's not everyone would watch that and think that's like groundbreaking content. Mm-hmm. I would say definitely looking at some of the more refined content that sites like Refinery29 or Vox mm-hmm. Media or um, Vice, a lot of those videos, if you just go on Vice and look at you know their video section, they make some really awesome videos in all different categories. So I would definitely recommend those. Okay, cool. So last question, what advice, if you could give any piece of advice to a uh, young filmmaker or a young vlogger or a young stop motion animator or anything like that, what, yeah. what, what advice would you give them? Um, firstly, I would say after school, like when you're deciding what to do, don't be afraid of taking an internship. I think a lot of people want to jump right into a job, but... Mm-hmm at a lot of companies, Refinery29 included, they don't hire people out of school as anything but interns. And interns typically get promoted. So that's a really good starting spot. Um, And then B, I would also say, don't feel like you need to just start making content just for the sake of making it. Mm -hmm. I... I think at one point I was like maybe giving advice to a lot of, I I caught myself giving advice to people saying, just pick up a camera and make something. 
Yeah. And that is a lot, that's advice that a lot of people give. They're like, just make something, be creative, just do something. But my advice would actually be to not force yourself to just make things just to do it, but to actually wait until you're inspired by something and then follow that path. I I feel like if I had just started making stuff before I stumbled upon that stop motion art, I maybe would have gone down a different path and it might not have been the right one for me. And I'm happy that I kind of was like just laying low until I discovered something I really liked and liked so much that I needed to run home every day and do it. I think a lot of people start something because they really want to get into it. Like they'll start a YouTube channel or they'll start a new Instagram account where they're going to post a certain type of photo. And if you look at those accounts, they like die after a week and they stop posting Mm -hmm. and they stop creating anything because the people weren't actually ever really passionate about it. They just sort of started it, started. Yeah. They're doing it to get the likes to to get the, all that. Exactly. Um, I think to have the lasting effect and to like really create something that's going to help shape your life, you need to be inspired before you start. Okay. Well, great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me on my podcast. Of course. I'm really excited to hear it. Yeah. Everyone should, should watch my videos on Refinery and add me on Instagram. I just hit 60K. Of course. Yeah. At, on Instagram, it's at uh, is it Lucy Fink or Lucy B. Fink. Yeah, Lucy B. Fink. L-U-C-I-E-B-F-I-N-K. Yes. Or her YouTube Yay. page, uh, Lucy Fink. All, all that good stuff. Make sure to check it out. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great night. That was my interview with Lucy Fink. Thanks again to Lucy for joining me on my podcast. Now, if you're liking what you're hearing, make sure to give us a good rating and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to stay updated. Also, if you want to hear more from Lucy, make sure to follow her on Instagram and Twitter, at Lucy B. Fink. And subscribe on YouTube to Refinery29 and her own page, Lucy Fink. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on set.